0: Good morning. It is very good to be with you this morning. Uh, I asked the, the praise band to play that one. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's one of these songs that from my, my childhood uh, meant a lot to me. It became a prayer of my own life. I think it has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning uh, in terms of uh, seeking God daily uh, and a daily bread sort of uh, prayer that we come back day after day that we will follow God step by step uh, in our lives. And we don't get to ask God for the next 40 years of our lives to show us that road. We instead get uh, to ask God for uh, today's journey and enough food for today's journey. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, Before we get into it, let us begin with prayer. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this church, We thank you for um, the safety and the security that we enjoy here in the United States of America. But God, we know that that is not true everywhere. And so Lord, right now we lift up our friends who live in Israel and in Gaza, in the Middle East generally, also in Ukraine, and throughout the world, Lord, where the world is war-torn. Lord, to them we lift to you now. Lord, we pray for them. We ask for peace. We ask for endurance. And God, right now, they are probably crying out for today's bread in a way that we cannot understand. And so, God, we cry out with them and ask that you give them that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this morning we continue uh, the series on uh, "Teach us to pray." Uh, this is what the disciples ask Jesus in uh, in Luke, and uh, then Jesus uh, presents them the most famous prayer uh, in existence, which is what we call the Lord's Prayer. The line we're we're looking at this morning is "Give us today our daily bread." If we were to ask God that on a daily basis, give us today our daily bread, what would that look like? And I will confess to you this morning, I don't know that I've ever prayed that line outside of uh, the context of the Lord's Prayer. I've not needed to ask God for today's bread. And yet, we here we are asking God for today's bread. I'm setting this up as as a problem. Uh, problem That you and I, most of us anyway, in here experience, which is uh, what I'm calling the the problem uh, of daily bread in a Walmart world, right? So uh, to give you some context, I own two refrigerator freezers and a deep freezer in which we keep food that stays for months on end. The the world has figured out. It turns out if you put food in cans, the right food anyway, uh, we can keep them for long periods of time. Right? Uh, and I've turned parts of my garage into a pantry uh, where we keep cans and dried foods, cereals, rice, flour, and all of these sorts of things. Uh, and while Kendall does the bulk shopping for us, and she insists on going to Sam's Club, and if you could help me convince her to start going to Costco. Uh, you do me a big favor. She's not here to, uh, to push back on that. So I, it's like the perfect time uh, to kind of seed that to you. Know, just kind of keep pushing Costco, Costco. Uh, so anyway, she buys enormous amounts of food uh, from Sam's Club that uh, we then shove into those freezers into our pantry and we keep them uh, around for a while, right? And I know we're not alone. Uh, we do this, of course, for money-saving measures. Um, we do it because we can do it. And so um, this all seems to be the opposite of, of daily bread, right, uh, of this need to rely on God in a daily way. But it's not just that, right? The, the idea of daily bread and coming to God for the daily sustenance, it, it cuts against the grain of how we're all raised and, frankly, how we're all raising our kids in a few specific ways, My guess is if you don't have a 401k, uh, you've at least been encouraged to have one, right? And to save for the future. Uh, If uh, you have a a student, maybe uh, you've been saving for their college, or maybe you've been saving for a car or a house. Uh, Perhaps you have an emergency fund in case you were to lose your job, Uh, The insurance system at large gets us to think not about today, uh, but about the future, about the the what-ifs, right? Like, what if I get sick? Medical insurance, right? What if my house burns down? Homeowner's insurance, right? What if I'm disabled and I can't work anymore? Disability insurance. What if I die and my spouse can't earn enough income? life insurance, right? And so we have these ways that we save for the future. And, and so I wanna say this morning that I think all of those things are really good and you should keep doing those. But in a world of 401Ks, savings funds, emergency funds, insurance premiums, I'm not saying you empty those accounts and trust that everything's gonna be fine. I'm just saying that we live in a complicated world that is quite a bit different from the world that Jesus is walking through. And it pushes us, our world pushes us, to prepare for the future, and to think about and and worry about tomorrow. It is baked into our daily life in such a way that is going to take an act of the will and intentionality to find daily dependencies upon God because that is ultimately this morning what we're talking about, depending on God. Breaking bread with God daily. This is relationship building 101. When God asks us to come and to ask for daily bread, I think first and foremost, he wants relationship. He wants us coming back every day Because that's what a friend wants from you, too. That's what your mom wants you to do when you go to college. Call her, right? (laughs) This is what we want from one another, is regular relationship, preferably daily, if not more often. In Exodus, we read this morning from chapter 16, God provides manna. But there was just one stipulation, and that is you can't hoard it, right? It requires that each day you go out and you find the new manna. You can't expect to get a week's worth in one day. You just get one day's worth in one day. Why would God do this? I believe that God is leading them out of the desert, but he's also forming them as a people group a people group who only knew slavery and dependence on the harsh taskmaster that was the Pharaoh. But God is forming them into a people who recognize the abundance of the living God to provide every need we might have. And one way God does this is to lead them through the desert for 40 years, giving them enough food and water daily to make the journey But doing this requires them to be dependent upon him. It requires faith and it requires trust. And I think God is asking the same of us. God was drawing that people into a relationship with him, one that required seeking God's face daily as much as it required seeking manna daily. And there the manna becomes a stand-in for seeking God, for communing with him, for building relationship daily. And we, like Israel, we must head out each day asking for that daily manna, searching for God's very presence and activity in our lives. And it will not come to us. We must be active in this process. And as we seek God, we build a trusting, faithful relationship with God. I think at some point in my life, I used to hope that God would give grand gestures to me, and if I just prayed hard enough, that I might see writing on the wall to the big questions I have in life. Have you ever hoped for this, too? Have you ever wondered, God, just just tell me exactly what to do, preferably in paragraph form, and then I will go do it, right? It's that simple. I said this last week. But I came to the realization, if you were to ask a, like a philosophy professor for life, he's not going to be able to give you that, even in a long paragraph. What a good philosophy professor would probably do is say, hey, we should meet for coffee. And uh, we can talk about what that might mean. And then we should meet again the next week. And then again the next week. And then again the next week. Because it's not about having the right answer, it's about having a certain kind of formation. And so when we come to God and we ask big questions, questions like, why? Why did I lose my friend? Why didn't I get into that school? Why do I struggle with forgiveness? We're asking big questions that simply cannot be answered, at least by a human, in the short term. And so why would we expect God to answer it? Short term, instead God is drawing us into a relationship and he's pulling himself to us, again, on a daily basis where we are being formed in that Prayer is a continuation of yesterday's conversation with God. Prayer is a continuation of yesterday's conversation with God. Turns out you don't get to binge-watch the new episodes uh, of God's plan for your life. You one step at a time, right? This morning, the passage that we were talking about, it has, uh, it has one big metaphor in it, right? It says, daily bread. I think the bread becomes a stand-in for a few things, but I think it, there are actually many metaphors for what bread can be in this situation. Uh, bread is certainly a material need, right? We, we all have some material needs, and so we go to God on a, a daily basis for this material need. But perhaps one level below that is, or maybe above that, is, is a spiritual sustenance. Jesus, tempted in the desert, says that man does not live on bread alone. And here Jesus takes bread and he turns it into a metaphor for the spiritual life. He reminds us that we need a nourishment on a daily basis that extends beyond our physicality. If we are going to live healthy, balanced lives, then we are going to daily attend to our spiritual lives. And so Jesus continues and he, he says, we don't just live on that physical bread, and he says, and I quote, we live on every." word that comes from the mouth of god we live on every word that comes from the mouth of god and so as we seek this daily bread right what are we seeking we are seeking a word that comes from the mouth of god daily a third man bread as provision release from worry And this one may take just a little explaining. You see, Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer in Matthew chapter 5. The Lord's Prayer, that's where it shows up, right? And so then, just a chapter later, in Matthew 6, we get a pretty famous passage about the nature of worry and and how we should think about all these things. And and here's what Jesus says in chapter 6. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, He says, don't worry about what you will eat or drink, right? Don't worry about your daily bread, is what he's saying, or about your body and what you'll wear. And then he says, again, great question here, is not life more than food? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? And then skipping down, he says this. Don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? Right? Or what are we going to drink? Or what shall we uh, wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. And then he says, what again ties directly into the daily bread, is he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know if that resonates with you, but it certainly resonates with me. My day today has enough problems of of its own that I can't worry about what's going to and the next day and the next day. I'm not saying you don't think about those things at all. I'm just saying that God gives you enough for today, which gets us to the last one, bread as enough, the abundance of God. Uh, We don't get, what we don't get from God is that manna falling down, get to hoard it all, and then we do this self-sufficiency kind of thing. That's, that's actually not what God is calling us into. And that's not the kind of abundance that God wants to give to us. God instead wants us to come again and again and again daily, asking for more each day, for enough for each day. Not more than enough for each day, just, just enough. And then when we get to the place, and you will, and I have, and you have too probably, where you think, I don't have enough for today. Even then, living in the truth that God's abundance is enough for that day, right? That whatever it is I'm working with on that day, that it is enough. That God has given me, out of the abundance of his storehouse, enough for that day. Enough bread, enough energy, there's just enough you for today, enough God in you for today. If you're dissatisfied with your life right now for one reason or another, and you wish your life were different, or maybe you wish you were different, I just want to say, keep walking. Keep walking the path keep looking for God, living the life that God is calling you into takes time, and it takes a lot of walking. It took the Israelites 40 years through the desert, and it will take you time too. There is no rush for tomorrow. The today you is enough for today, and the tomorrow you will be enough for tomorrow And as you walk with God day by day, step by step, with a little patience, you'll find that you're walking to the life that God has planned for you. We must take the time it takes. We must be willing to slow down, not be in a rush. And we must learn the art of contentment while also holding out hope for something more, for a promised land that sits in the distance These are not mutually exclusive. The hope for the promise and the contentment with what we got, those both need to be held in tension with one another. And day by day, we step slowly toward that. At the end of the day, daily bread and daily manna might be actually just about one thing and one thing only faith. Do I believe? Do I trust? Do I have faith that God will provide, that God is bigger than my foes, whatever troubles I face, that God has given me what I need for today and today alone, and that today's bread is indeed sufficient? Do I have that kind of faith? If I were to put this into practice, what would we do? What does it look like to pray on a daily basis Give us our daily bread. I want to suggest a few things to us. Uh, putting the daily bread into daily bread is talking about building a habit, right? If we try to do something daily, whether it's a daily bread thing or, or something else, if we, as long as we're doing it daily, we're talking about trying to build a habit into our lives. I've mentioned this book before, but uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits, I quite like. Uh, in it, he gives us a list. I've got a chart for you here about what this could look like. Uh, he says, how to create a habit? Oh, there's four parts to it. He says, there's the cue, the craving, the response, the reward. Uh, with the cue, we want to make it obvious. With the craving, we want to make it attractive. The response, You get it. I'm going to walk through a real-life example in my own life about what this looks like. And I'm not here holding myself up as like something to model yourself after. I'm just giving you real life. The cue. You want to make your prayer life obvious. I've designed a morning routine in my schedule that includes prayer in it. One task leads to the next to the next. I literally sat down in the month of August before the kids went back to school, and I thought, okay, I know that Lizzie has to get up at this time, and then Ezra at this time, and then Asher's doing that thing, and how am I going to fit my schedule together so that the one thing follows the next, follows the next, follows the next, right? And the point is this. It's not going to happen by itself. It's not just, you're not just going to wake up one morning and have the prayer life you've always wanted, if you want the daily bread, you're gonna have to make it a priority and you're gonna have to make it actionable and you're just gonna have to get down to brass tacks about how it's going to work in your life. And so my morning routine now starts with exercise, which by the way, is something I've not really done a lot in my life um, despite my girlish figure here. Uh, and it's uh, something that makes me feel really good uh, that this has continued. This is followed by walking my daughter to school, or at least to the bus stop, um, which is just a minute down the road. And it's a time where I get to connect with her, and it's a special moment in my day. And then I arrive back in my house at about 6.50 in the morning, and I don't have to do anything until 7.40. That gives me 50 minutes. And some of you are like, that sounds luxurious, and it is. (laughs) In that 50 minutes, I make coffee and I have my chair time, which gets me to the next law, the craving. You want to make this attractive in your life. My day has been set in such a way so that I make my prayer time attractive. Sitting with a cup of coffee in perfect silence while no one else in the house is awake sounds so good and a coffee in my hand, oh, even better. Now for some of you, that might not actually cut it. Some of you might be more active and wanna be on the move. And so perhaps to make it attractive for you, you need to connect your prayer time to like a daily walk or a daily run or something else where you're just moving your body. Again, I'm just giving you my examples and you need to make it your own. If you're going to do this, I sit down with my cup of coffee and I cry out to God, give me my daily bread. What do you have for me today, God? Who will you put in my path today? How can I be an instrument for you today? That gets us to number three, the response. We want to make it easy, right? We want to make it easy so that we respond to the cue and the craving and and actually do the act of praying. And so... I've been working on this routine for quite some time. By the way, it didn't just pop up overnight. I've been honing it over years. And, and it has to change, right, every so often, doesn't it? Because once the kids are out of school, well, then they're up at weird times. And, and uh, then once uh, Lizzie goes off to high school or Ezra, it all starts to change. And, and then the summer times are just awful uh, because uh, the schedule flies out the window completely. And so you're constantly reevaluating it all. But one way that I've made it easy is by creating an environment that I quite like. And so if you're ever in my home and you walk into the basement area, that's where my chair sits right now. At other points of the year, I actually like to sit outside. But there's a quiet space down there. It's surrounded by books, which make me happy. And there's a cozy chair, and it's just a peaceful, quiet environment. And then right next to that chair, right now, sits two books. One is a book of Psalms, and then the other is the book of common prayer. And those tools are handy, right? So I might sit down, and I might look over, and uh, on a given day, I might say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But it's there. It's waiting. It's easy, right? And it's calling me, and it's beckoning me. And then this gets us to number four, the reward You have to make your prayer life somehow satisfying. Now, it's best when you're setting up a habit that the reward is intrinsic, not some sort of extrinsic reward. So rather than, for example, like finding something like a treat from Starbucks or an extra waffle at breakfast as your reward, it's really best that the reward sit within the act itself. And so, the question I would pose to you here is this What would make a prayer life satisfying for you? If you had a daily prayer life and it were satisfying, what would make it satisfying? Would it bring you more peace in life? More energy? More satisfaction? feeling of deeper faith. Maybe it would bring actual moments where God breaks into your life in a real way, in a response to your prayer life. Let's just pick one. Whatever that would be, whatever would make your prayer life satisfying, I want to encourage you this morning to start there. Seek that. Tell God you want that out of a prayer life. And let God figure out a way to make that happen. Another piece uh, of uh, what we can do is to make bread ordinary again. (laughs) There is gratitude in the ordinary things. Bread is a very ordinary object, isn't it? Jesus likes to use ordinary objects. And so with daily bread praying, as with all praying... It's got to move beyond the prayer closet and into everyday existence. Or to put it simply, it must be ordinary. Jesus is teaching us to pray for the ordinary things and thereby see God in the ordinary things. And this begins to get at Paul's admonition to pray without ceasing. To let our entire lives be a life of prayer. And when everything becomes a prayer, and then the ordinary things become part of our prayer lives. What I'm really talking about, however, is not what you're asking for. It's about a recognition of what you are receiving. If we can find God in the bread that we eat those two slices of whole wheat bread that our turkey meat sits between, then we can find God in many other places too. And our response to all of them should be gratitude, thanksgiving. So when we ask for daily bread from our prayer closet, that's great. But when we receive our daily bread, we cannot fail to give thanks for God's provision. If you've ever wondered why it's a tradition, either in your house or just kind of at large, to to say thanks or to pray before a meal, it's not because somewhere in your Bible God says you should pray before you eat lunch. But instead, what it is, is that there's a few places in your scriptures where they're sitting down to have a meal together, and Jesus feeding the 5,000, it says, breaks the bread and gives thanks for that bread, right, and recognizes that that is a gift from God, or before he eats that final meal with his disciples, he again, he breaks the bread and he gives thanks for the simple things in life. It is an act of recognizing God in the ordinary. The more we grow in our prayer lives, the more two things emerge, both of which are vitally important to spiritual growth and health. Attention and gratitude grow. Attention and gratitude. If we pray for daily bread, receive daily bread, but fail to pay attention to God's provision and offer thanks for it, then we're only half praying, right? It's great that we got the prayer that we prayed for, But if we don't recognize it and give thanks to it, then what have we done? Then what has happened? Well, God has provided in a way that we've just simply not noticed. And so when God shows up in your life, even in the smallest of ways, it's important that we recognize it, we pay attention and offer thanks for it. And so I'd ask you this morning another question. How does God show up for you today? Maybe it's something simple like a sunrise Maybe it's an extra long nap uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe it's the beauty of one of these trees that is changing color before our eyes. But pay attention and don't fail to thank God for his provision. And definitely don't forget this. that God often shows up in the face of another. The person you encounter on the street. And so be sure to give thanks for that too. The final point i want to make here is that we need to not just remember or not just recognize and give thanks for god's provision we must remember god's provision and one way to do this would be to keep a journal it's not the only way uh but we've provided some uh prayer journals in the narthex for a reason like this and so it's great again to pray in the prayer closet Very good, let's let's do that. It's also good that we learn to pay attention and, uh, and see God's provision out in the world, in the ordinary things. And it's great to develop a spirit of gratitude, but it's also really important, one more step for you, that we remember God's provision. We remember God's provision, not just today, but next week and next year and 10 years from now. Remembering where God has shown up in our lives is an integral part of walking the journey of faith, especially in those wilderness years. The Israelites often put up memorial stones to commemorate the moments and the events where God showed up in mighty ways. They needed to. Forty years of wilderness is a long time, and they had to be reminded that God was present, was there, and showed up in some mighty ways. And we need to as well. We need to remind ourselves of the ways in which God has shown up in our very lives. And so perhaps by writing down your prayers and God's answers to those prayers, or maybe it's just the ways in which God has shown up in your life today, or maybe it's tomorrow or another day, or maybe you can just think back in and, and last week or the week before, But let us not forget, let us remember God's provision in our lives. I'll conclude with this. Pete Gregg, the book that we're reading, uh, has this one phrase that he uses throughout, and I quite like it. It's, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up, right? Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. This is a great philosophy of developing a prayer life. There's a lot of things that I've been throwing at you over these weeks and there's a lot of tools in the tool belt that we can develop and, and these are all great. But the real key is that we just keep it up, right? And so whatever it is, whatever that prayer life looks like for you right now, the goal is to indeed just keep it simple and certainly keep it real. Don't try to fake something with God. In our study this morning on prayer in the the, uh, Sunday school class, you can't fake anything. God knows it all, right? So you may as well be as real as possible. But most importantly, if we're going to do some daily bread kind of praying, we've got to keep it up day after day after day. Let's conclude with prayer. God in heaven... You desire relationship with us, a relationship where we come to you day after day, seeking your face, Lord, seeking uh, your very character, being formed and shaped into your image. God, we pray this morning that some word here stick inside of us and begin to do a work. That we begin to develop prayer lives, Lord, in which we come to you in dependence on a daily basis. Coming and asking you, God, what do you have for us today? What do you have for me? How will you use me today? I want you to use me to your glory. God, I am an open book. Please use me. God, these are the prayers of the people that you desire This is what you want from us. And Lord, when we pray those, we ask that you show up in mighty ways and that you make clear to us how we can be used. God, I give you thanks for my friend Matt Priest who was used this week on behalf of those people in Israel and Gaza. God, may we be open to the same kinds of uh, promptings in our lives. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.